This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. You might notice I'm not Pastor Tom. I am not the lead pastor of this church. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't know who I am, my name is Christian Reyes, and I'm a, a pastor here on staff here, and I have the awesome honor and privilege to serve this house and to serve alongside this amazing, amazing team that we have here at Christian Life Center. And like I said, I'm very grateful I'm not the lead pastor here because leading is hard. It's tough. If you don't know, try it. Very difficult to lead, and I, 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 I honor our leaders, I honor Pastor Tom and Pastor Candy because of what they do faithfully day in and day out, week after week, month after month. Thank you, Pastor Tom, for all that you do. I know you're watching right now. Thank you for the opportunity you allowed me to be here today. Thank you for your stewardship and your faithfulness and for your trust. Come on, let's thank God for our amazing leaders. I got to tell you, I'm excited. I am excited today. Is anybody else excited to be in God's house today? Is anybody excited to be joining us online? Come on. If you're excited, will somebody mean it? Will somebody show it? If you're excited online, say, I'm excited. Put it in the chat. We're excited to be here today. I'm excited because we're going to be starting a brand new series, and it's called Break the Bank. Come on. Somebody say, Break the Bank. If you're watching online, put it in the chat. Break the bank. Break the bank. There's a word that's going to be released here today. And I got to warn you. This message here today and this series we're about to embark on is rated R for violence. Because I firmly believe it's going to cut you deep today. I firmly believe that God's word is going to go straight to the bone and marrow in your life. And this might be one of those uh, messages that you might not be hollering and shouting amen about because of how it makes you feel when you walk out of here. But I promise you, if you're ready to receive what God has for you, it's going to be transformational in your heart and your life. And not only just for you, but for everybody around you. So is anybody ready to receive God's word here today? Come on, is anybody ready to receive God's word here today? We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And just before we pray for God's word, we're going to read it together. I encourage you right now, if you can't grab the church app, if you haven't, go on on the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store and uh, download our CLC app, Christian Life Center. You can search in the App Store there. Download it, and you will be able to follow along with us on the notes that we're going to be talking about today. Listen, I I firmly believe that Readers are leaders, and note-takers are world-changers. So if you're going to be a person that's going to do something with what God has placed in your life, you've got to write it down. You've got to do something with it and walk away with it so that I can remember what God has spoken to me in this moment. So grab the app, pull it out right now, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 25. So if you want to open up your Bibles and turn there, I'm going to be reading out of the ESV uh, version translation of the Bible the English Standard Version of the Bible, and uh, we're going to be looking here at a parable that Jesus is showing us and teaching us. He tells a story here that's important for all of us to hear, but I I firmly believe it's a story that's going to cut all of us deeply today. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to be starting at verse 14. Now buckle up, we're reading like 16 verses. Oh, so I heard the, I heard the hush over the room. Oh, that's a lot of verses. It's good for you. Come on now. God's word is good for you. So here's the parable. Verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey, Jesus says, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. Then he had received, he who had received five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So he doubled it. 
So also, he who had the ten talents made two talents more. So he doubled it as well. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and his masters and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. If you have an opportunity, highlight that. Underline that, circle that. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enjoy, enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22, and he also, and he who also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you did deliver to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had also received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter no seeds. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. Wow. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I not scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Wow. Savage. For the, to everyone who has will, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the utter darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, we're starting a series called Break the Bank. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at how God's word and truths will teach us how to break the mentality we have about our possessions, about our resources, about our money. And today, what we're going to examine is a mindset that hindered that third servant, and it hinders us every single day. I firmly believe that today, before we walk out of, away from this moment and this time together, that God is going to help us break the mindsets and the opinions that we have about what we have. I firmly believe that before we walk out of here, just like you see this piggy bank that represents money, that represents resources, that represents, represents things that we obtain with our hands, I firmly believe that God's going to do something amazing with it. And the mindset that we have about this, this hammer represents God's word. And what he quickly wants to do is he wants to shatter it. He wants you to walk away from here with a totally different mindset than what you had before about what you have and the blessings that are in your life. So would you pray with me in this moment, Father, right now? I pray, Lord God, as we talk about this, and we do what you've asked us to do, Lord God, in this moment. I firmly believe that your word is going to transform us from the inside out. God, do heart surgery on us today. Cut us deep today. Then when we walk away from this moment, we'll have the mentality and the mindset that you want us to have more than anything else. We want your word to break the mindsets that we have. Your truths to shatter our opinions, God. And our thoughts, we want your truth to take over more than anything else. We pray these things in your name. And everybody said, oh, come on, everybody said. Man, I got to tell you, I recently have become very, very fearful. And I've been very, very worried in my life. And the reason that's because I've seen more and more in how my kids are like me. 
If you're a parent in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're not a parent, then maybe you, you have that moment that you had somebody that was close to you and you start to realize, man, they're talking like me. They're thinking like me. They're saying things like me. My son Judah, who's about to turn six in uh, June, he's graduating kindergarten. Can you believe it? He's graduating kindergarten, Jesus. And just the other day, he was at home with me, and uh, he's gotten really into video games recently. He's only about to turn six, and he's already into video games. Pastor Nadine, pray for me. Sheesh. But I can't harm him or I can't hold that against him because that was me at that age. I had the original Nintendo with Super Mario. I had all that. And I played all those things. And I, I saw him playing the Xbox and I saw him playing this game, Lego Batman or Lego Jurassic Park is what it was. And he starts to play it and he starts to try to get through it and then he gets stuck. He gets stuck at this one part. He just does not know how to, to make this triceratops come out so it can go to the next part of the level. And all I hear is from the other room, because I'm downstairs and he's upstairs, and I hear, oh, man. Oh, man. And I'm like, but I'm downstairs working, and I'm like, oh, gosh, what's going on? So I go upstairs, and I'm like, buddy, what's wrong? What's wrong? He goes, Dad, I don't know what to do. I can't beat it. I can't win. I give up. My son in that moment had a mentality and a mindset that he was not able to progress, that he was not able to succeed, that he was not able to overcome maybe the challenges that he faced in that moment. And me being the loving, wise dad that I am, I came alongside of him and I said, son, what do you need to do? He goes, I got to get the triceratops. He's got to come out and come over here and he's got to help me. Okay, okay, okay. Did you look everywhere? Did you look over there? He goes, oh, okay, okay, I'll go over there. And he goes and he finds out that's where the triceratops is at. Thank you, Daddy. And I embraced him and said, I'm here for you, son. <laughs> what I had to do in that moment is I had to come and give him a different perspective. What I had to do is give him a different mentality, a different mindset, a different way of thinking, because he was stuck where he was at. And if it wasn't for me in that moment coming, where would he be? Stuck. Oh, man. Stuck. How many times do we find ourselves stuck with things of life? How many times do we find ourselves feeling like there's no way forward? There's no way there can be blessings. There's no way there can be an abundance. There's no way that God will fix my bank account. But it's not until God comes alongside. He says, come here. Come here, daughter. Let me give you a new perspective. Let me give you a new mindset. Let me give you a new way of thinking. Because once you see it the way I see it, because once you see the truths that I have for you, I promise you, you will succeed. You will advance. And you will see greater things. Come on, somebody give God praise for that this morning. You see, one of the biggest topics that we struggle with in our perspectives, in our opinions, in our mindsets, is when it comes to our possessions. When it comes to our money and our aim for the next couple of weeks is for all of us to make the intentional decision to break the ideologies and mindsets we have about what we possess. That's what it means when we say break the bank. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh oh. The church is talking about my finances and money again. They want me to give some more. No, 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 no. Listen, we as a church firmly believe that we want to routinely give you a teaching on a healthy biblical view of all aspects of your life, including finances, so that you can align your life with your financial life with your spiritual life. We want you to be healthy holistically all the way around. And more importantly, this topic is important to God. Did you know that there are more verses in the Bible about money and your possessions than there are verses about heaven and hell? It's important to God because he understands how it's important in your life. 
It's because God knows our mindsets towards money plays a big part in us being fully obedient to him. How you think about finances and how you use what you have are a huge reflection of your relationship with God. How you handle your finances says a lot about how much you trust God and who he is and what he says. So where does this process start? Well, I'm glad you asked. How do we begin this journey toward breaking the mindset that I have about my life and what I have? Well, we have to answer two questions of ownership. So if you're following along long in the notes, here's your time to start filling in some things. We want to look at two questions of ownership right off the bat. And the first question is this, to whom do I belong? Write that down. To whom do I belong? This question addresses the ownership of my life. Do I truly own my life? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul reminds us here, and he tells us, he says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God. And here's the key here. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your money or with your bodies, excuse me, he says. You are not your own, he says. I want you to point to three people around you say, you're not your own. Come on, look at three people around you. Tell them, you are not your own. You are not the boss. You are not in charge. The way you need to look at your life is like this, as if it was a lease. You ever leased a car before? I have. I've, I've leased multiple cars. It's nice on the monthly payment, but in the end, you don't own it. You don't have the title of that car ever. You can't use it as a real asset or investment towards the future. Why? Because in the leasing process, what they do is like, hey, you want this? You can have it. Treat it as if it was yours. Uh, take care of it as if it was yours. But one day you're going to give it back. It's the same thing with our lives. I remember when, when, when I had issues in certain situations with the leases that I've had over time, I had to go fix it and pay to be fixed as if I owned it. But I knew at the end of the day, I had to return it. And what's dumb about that whole process, can I say, and if you're in the car industry, I apologize, no offense, but it's dumb. I'm leasing it, I'm borrowing it, I'm paying for it every single month, and then when I got to go back and return it, I got to pay you to return it. Are you kidding me? We have to be looking at our lives in the same way when it comes to our lives, when it comes to our relationship with God. Your life is just a lease. You don't own your life. You were bought at a price. And God says, listen, I've entrusted you with your eyes and your ears. I've entrusted you with your voice. I've entrusted you with your family. I've entrusted you with the finances you have in your hands. I've trusted you with the job that you work at. He's entrusted you with this life. And one day, he's coming back for it. So do you own your life? No, you don't. So when you think about the reality that your life belongs to God, it changes the direction of your trust. Since I belong to God, I must entrust my life in his hands. Because I can't rely on my own intellect. I cannot lean on my own what? Understanding. I have to trust my life in the owner. So our mindset should not be about how much I can get out of this life because I own it. No, no, no. Your priority should never be about this life because we are leasing it from God. Jesus warns us of this in Luke chapter 17, verse 33. Look in your notes. Luke 17, verse 33. Jesus says, if you cling to your life, you will what? You will lose it. And if you let go of your life, you will what? You will save it. Why? Because Jesus is teaching us here that this life that you live does not belong to you. 
If you're willing to let it go and place it in the hands of almighty God, who is the creator, who is the source, who is the owner of all things, then he can be trusted to take care of everything. Come on, somebody say amen to that. We don't ever have to look to the left or to the right or doubt or worry. Jesus reminds us here that our life is not our own. And if we try to live like it is our own, we will lose it every single time. He is trying to teach us that if we lose the things that we are selfish with or greedy with, because ultimately nothing, nothing in this world belongs to us. So we answer the question, to whom does it belong? So the second question, and then who owns my stuff? Write that down. If my life, my body, who I am belongs to God, then who really owns my stuff? I mean, I worked hard for it. I'm working hard at that dumb job that I'm at. Talking to that dumb boss every single day. Having dumb employees and, and coworkers around me. I work hard, man. You're telling me that's not mine? What should I think about the things that I've obtained with my hands? Who truly owns the money, the home, the cars, the furniture, the electronics, the clothes, all the material goods I've attained with my hands, with the sweat from my brow? Well, Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. God reminds David and he reminds all of us of this simple truth. He says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. The earth is the Lord's, and what? Everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. You take it a step further, if you move a few chapters ahead to Psalm 50, looking at verses 10 to 12, it says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, God says, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. God makes it clear for us there. If I wanted a chicken sandwich, I don't need to ask you or ask Chick-fil-A to make it for me. Because I own the chicken. And I own the ovens. And I own the fryers. I own all of that. If you didn't know, now you know. So the stuff that you feel like you've accumulated and worked hard for and made it, made it so much so that it, it was by the toil of your labor that this is mine, that I own this. No, you don't. Because fundamentally speaking, if you break it down, not only from those cars that you have, but also what it's made out of and the resources and the metal, where, where does it come from? From the earth. Who owns the earth? God does. So we have what we have because God has blessed us with it. He's allowed us to have it. He says, listen, I've entrusted this world with you. What are you going to do with it? He owns it. He owns it. We have a problem with this so many times because it's been so ingrained of us in us since we were small that what I have is mine. You've learned how to speak and to talk as a young kid. And maybe one of your first words was no, but then close was mine. My son, uh, Levi, who's about to turn three in July, he's very clear about what is his. So when his, my, his brother Judah comes by and tries to get, get a train that he's playing with, it might be off to the side. He's not fully activating it with it right now, but it's off to the side and it's in his general vicinity. And let his brother come over to try to grab a a train that he knows he's not playing with right now. He comes and grabs it to go play over here. He goes, hey, give me that. That's mine. Is it though? How many times do we find ourselves lacking in generosity because we think the things that we have is mine? How many times do we find ourselves seeing the needs that are around us the difference we can make in people's lives with the resources we have been blessed with, 
But we get stuck in this mentality of the third servant every single day that we think that these things are mine. And they belong to me and no one else. I worked hard for this. See, this house that I bought, it took me years to get this. What if you shifted your mentality to say, it didn't take you years to get you this. It was actually right on time as a blessing of God in that moment that you would receive what you needed to have in that time. So when you say, not thank you me for this house, but thank you God for providing it right when I needed it. Because 10 years ago, it might have been nice, but I know I probably would have wrecked it and not have been wise with it. But right now in this season, God, I know when you bless me, when you give me what, these things that I know that you, you know that I need in my life, I can re- remind myself that, God, it's not from me. It's from you. It belongs to you. Come on, somebody gives God praise for that today. So if I belong to God, then there is no question that everything I possess is ultimately his. The logic is inescapable. If God owns you, then you don't own anything. Your life belongs to God and everything you have belongs to God because he blessed you with it. If we don't establish a foundation that God is the true owner and source of all things, then we will never truly understand what it means to fully trust and obey God. So we need to do that today. We need to break the mindset that I own it that I'm in charge of it, that I can make a decision with it. So write this down in your notes. We're breaking mindsets today from owner to steward. Come on, somebody say steward. Come on, say it louder. Somebody say steward. From owner to steward. See, you are not an owner. You're just a steward. Since everything is entrusted to us by a loving and generous God, how we steward what he gives should be our top priority every single day. If you look at the dictionary, Oxford English Dictionary tells us the definition of the word steward. It says, it's a person employed to manage another's property, especially a large house or estate. If you start to research it and break it down a little bit more, even in the biblical definition... It tells us that it refers to a person who is left in charge of another person's assets. A steward is trusted with protecting, maintaining, nurturing, or growing things. A business, a farm, a household, or some funds that belongs to someone else. You see, the passage that we read earlier today, our main passage teaches us that there are three principles of stewardship. And the first principle is this. Write this down. Stewards are entrusted with the owner's resources. Stewards are entrusted with the owner's resources. In Matthew chapter 25, what we read earlier, starting in verse 14, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who is the owner here, who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. There was an owner and gave what he had to his servants made them stewards. Now understand, this was not a gift. The servants didn't have ownership of the money. No, the ownership, the owner just trusted them to be effective of what he gave them. If you do some research on this, I want you to think about this. A talent that the Bible talks about here, that word talent means currency. If you read it in some other translation, it'll tell you like bags of gold or bags of silver. It was currency that he was giving them. When I first read this as a kid, I thought he was talking about he gave them five different talents, like singing and, and, and magic tricks and, and, and playing sports. And When I was young, I didn't understand. But as I got older and I started to read my word and research, can I tell you it's so important for you to do that? To take time in God's word and say, what does this really mean? And what he was talking about here, when you see that word talent, it's currency, money. A talent, one talent, was equivalent to 10,000 silver denarii back in biblical times. 10,000 silver denarii. One silver denarii was one day's wage of, for labor. 
So one silver denarii was worth one day's of work. So one talent was 10,000 silver denarii. 10,000 days worth of work. So if you do the math on this, one talent of silver is what a laborer would earn in roughly 28 years of working. He gave the first guy five talents, the second guy two, and the third guy one. Now, if you put it into modern terms, and let's say uh, the average, using the average you know, yearly income for somebody working in the United States uh, currently would be r- roughly around $60,000. Let's just use that as a number, as an example. If we do $60,000 times 28 years, one talent would equal $1.7 million right now. That's a lot of money. He gave one talent to the third guy, two to the second, and five to the first. You know, it was interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a barbershop getting my hair done. And you know, when you go to the barbershop or you go to the salon, it, there's a lot of philosophical conversations that happen at those barbershops. Am I right? Matters of life that people talk about and discuss. and Because you're there for some time, so they start talking about life and things like that and why the Miami Heat are losing right now. And <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> And, and what, what am I supposed to do with my, my girlfriend who doesn't want to talk to me? And, and all these different philosophical questions of life. One guy that was there brought up a question. He said, all right, listen, check it out. If I gave you, or if somebody, because I don't got it, but if somebody gave you $50 million, how would you spend it? And quickly chiming in, different guys in the hall, you, listen, $50 million? I take five or ten and blow it right off the top. I buy me some cars. I buy me some boats. I buy me some houses. And then maybe I'd flip the rest in cryptocurrency, right? And the guy's like, what do you mean? Why don't you just take all of it and do something with it? Like, what are you talking about? It's my money. I could blow it right off the top and not miss it. Because I would enjoy what I have right now. Does that sound familiar? I'm going to ask you that same question. What if somebody gave you $50 million? What would you do with it? Some of you say, well, that, listen, that dude wasn't wrong. <laughs> I take five right away. $5 million is a lot of money. And then I heard one of the other barbers who was a little bit older chime in. He says, listen, something I've learned in my life is that whenever I'm blessed with something, I give God his 10% right off the top. And they don't know that I'm a pastor there. They, they don't even think, uh, they, they, they know that I'm, I work at a church or anything. But as soon as he said that, I said, hmm. I perked up a little bit. And he kept talking. He said, listen, something I've learned in my life is that what I have, yes, I work hard for, but it's ultimately given freely to me. So who am I to try to go back and do whatever I want with something that ultimately doesn't belong to me? He said he talked about right after that, after I'd give to God, I'd give to my family. I'd take care of my mom. I'll take care of my, my, my wife and my kids. I'll take care of my family and whatever needs there are. And there's people around me that I see the need, I'll give that to them. And the guy chimed back, what you mean? You're not going to take that five or ten right off the top. You're not going to miss that. The guy's like, no, but somebody else might. So how can I be a good steward of what has been given to me? Oh, I stopped in that moment. And I just stood in my chair. I was like, "Mm -hmm mm-hmm. He was preaching there, man. I could have brought him up here to talk about this today. Because he understood the simple fact, the thing that we struggle with the most, we have this mentality thinking that this belongs to me, but God wants to break it and say, no, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me, so be a good steward with what I've placed in your hands. There's so much good that you can do with it if you would just be willing to look past your own selfish desires. 
You're not an owner. You're a steward. You don't decide to become a steward. You already are one. Whether you recognized it or not. God has entrusted you with precious resources. The question isn't whether you're a steward or not. The main question is what kind of steward are you? You may be saying to yourself, but I'm not wealthy. I don't have a lot. Listen, you don't have to be wealthy to be a steward. If you have something, then you are a steward. Remember, a steward is simply someone who is entrusted with resources that belongs to someone else. Second question or second principle of stewardship that this passage teaches us today is stewards protect and expand the owner's resources. Come on, somebody say protect. Come on, say protect and expand. Say protect and expand. Matthew chapter 25, verse 16, he says, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he would... Uh, he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in in the ground and hid his master's money. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 tells us, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Second Corinthians chapter 9, Paul reminds us, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. I read that passage in a totally different translation and it illuminated my mind. The Passion Translation says that verse this way. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. So that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing that you do. The Greek word that Paul uses here. Forget, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. But in this passage when he's talking about enough of everything. What is he talking about? It's autarkeia. Autarkeia. This Greek word here. And it's found in classical Greek as meaning Needing nothing. So what Paul is reminding us here is that God wants to provide so much to you that you will never, ever need anything, ever. But what I love about God's principles and his promises is that his promises are conditional. It's if statements. He says, if you are a good steward of what I give you, then I promise you, you will never lack anything. The key is to be the good steward that we need to be with it and not dig, our res- or dig a hole and put our resources in the ground. He wants to pour out these blessings. He wants to do these things, but he wants to know first if you are a trustworthy, faithful steward. Because if he's provided little, come on, then he'll trust you with the much. See, good stewards protect and expand the resources of another. Think about it. This is precisely why we place money in banks. The bank can only succeed if it earns and keeps your trust to keep your deposits safe and grow them in a reliable way. We are God's bank. He's deposited things in us and to us. And he's just saying, do something great with it. In a very real sense, you and I are those banks. He places things and people in our life with the full expectation that those things and people will be kept safe and will grow. You see, it's up to me, it's up to you to make God's investment to have a great return. Can I remind you it's more than the money that you have in your bank account right now? God's entrusted you with talents and abilities. There's certain things that you're good at that the other person on the row that's sitting next to you is not good at. He's trusted you with certain talents and certain abilities for you to do something with it and make it a great return for God's kingdom. He's trusted you with your family. Pastor Christian, you don't know my family. I don't have to. The bottom line is you've been born into your family for a reason. He's entrusted you to love those people for a reason. 
How are you making your, their life better because of you being present? There's friends that you have that he's entrusted you with. He's allowed your journey to cross paths with somebody else. How are you being a good steward with those relationships? He's giving you certain passions and desires. There's certain things that you care about more than maybe than somebody else. What are you doing with that? He's giving you resources and responsibilities. He's entrusted you as a parent. He's entrusted you as a worker. He's entrusted you as a person on this planet to make a difference, to take what God has placed inside of you and to say, God, I'm going to take this and make it double. I'm going to make my family better. I'm going to help make my job better. I'm going to help make my friends better. I'm going to help make this world better because I know, God, I'm not the owner. I'm just a steward. So, God, thank you for the blessings, and I'm going to do something great with it. Come on, if you believe that today, will somebody give God praise for that? The third and last principle that our passage teaches us today is simply this. Stewards are accountable for the owner's resources. You guys can start playing behind me. The owner responds to the two servants. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. And he says to both of them the same thing. He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've taken what I've given you, and you've done something great with it. You've doubled it. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much, is what the master said. Enjoy, enter into the joy of your master. Notice this, that even though the one with the five talents had more than the one with the two talents, maybe having more responsibility than the other, if you think about it, they still both received the same blessing. Because it wasn't about the return of the amount. It was about what they did with it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Stop with this mentality and this mindset and this trap of comparison. That because I don't have as much as them, then maybe the responsibility of being a steward is not as great on my life. No, 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 no. Somebody might have more. But it doesn't mean that God has taken off the responsibility of stewardship on your life because he's going to bless you both the same way. The master gave each of them according to their faithfulness. They were faithful with what they had been given and were rewarded in return. And then the owner responds to the third servant, and we see this in verse 24 and 26. And he says, Those that, that one that received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But then the master replied, you wicked and slothful servant. See, the first, while the first two servants were concerned with the master's affairs, knowing that what they have been entrusted with they need to do something with, this third servant chose not to be. He chose not to care for his master's resources, so he hid it in the ground. If his master didn't come back, he probably could have kept it for himself if he wanted to. And if his master did return, he could say, well, well, here's your money, like he said. Hid it in the ground, just wanted to give it back to you. But the master didn't merely want his money back. That wasn't the type of stewardship he was looking for. He didn't ask it just to keep it safe. He was wanting them to do something with it. See, listen, Jesus is your king, and he expects you to live faithfully with a kingdom agenda. We must live today with a future focus and an internal orientation. Remember that one day God will call you by name to settle accounts. Don't believe me? Look at Romans chapter 14. Romans 14 verse 12, it says, so then each of us will give a what? A what? An account of himself to God. One day we're going to stand before the Lord. And he's going to look at your life. Pull out your ledger. And start to analyze of what you have done with what he's placed in your hands. One day we will all stand before God to give an account for our life. 
He will talk with you about your stewardship of all that he placed at your disposal. The question I have for you today is, on that fateful day, what will he say to you? Will he say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or will he look at you straight in the eye and say, you wicked and slothful servant, you lazy This is the essence of stewardship. In the most fundamental sense, stewardship is living life with a heart recognizing that your money, your possessions, your life does not belong to you. Hear me today. You can't expect God to shower you with more resources if you're still mismanaging the ones he's already given you. This can sound harsh, but it's actually God's mercy in action. There are many believers that simply cannot be blessed with great wealth because he knows it will eventually destroy them. Few people understand that abundance will test you more than poverty ever will. But here's the beautiful thing. You might think you don't have enough. You might think that there is so little that you possess. But can I tell you You do live in abundance. You do. Tell yourself right now, I live in abundance. Come on, tell yourself, I live in abundance. If you're watching online, put it in the chat. I live in abundance. I do. You want to know why you do? Because you're a child of the Most High God. You are royalty. You are a son and daughter of the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You are, the, you are son and daughter of the God who owns everything. So who am I to say that I lack? Who am I to say that I live in poverty? Who am I to say that I don't have much? No, you have everything you need because of the God that you serve. Come on, somebody give God praise for that this morning. I need to tell somebody today as we close, you don't have because of your grind or your hustle. The only reason you have is because of the one who has, you have access to. You have because of who has you. The servants didn't get the talents, these millions of dollars, because of their hard work. No, it was because of who they were connected to. The owner saw them and gave it to them. You have not because of what you've done. You have because of who you know. You are not the owner. You are just the what? A steward. As we close here today, I'm going to ask every single person you would stand all across this room. And this is the moment in time where a lot of people that come to church for a while say, well, this is my time to exit out the back. This is not your moment to do that. Because I firmly believe before you walk out of here today, before we leave from this moment, I firmly believe that God wants to help you to shatter some mindsets before you walk out of here. You've walked in here thinking about some things about your finances, about your money, about your life, about the things that you have. And he's wanting you to realize, listen, you are not the owner of it. He needs to break that mentality over your life today. And it's a conscious choice that you need to make before you walk out of here. That's why I'm asking you to stay, because you're missing out on a very key component. You can hear all about God's word, which is great, but it's not until you ask God to do something with it in your life that you make a commitment before you walk out of here to say, God, I promise, I commit to change my thoughts, change my actions, to change my life, that I am not the owner. I am just the steward of what you've given to me. So right there where you're standing, we're going to take an opportunity right now just to pray and ask God to change us from the inside out. We're going to take an opportunity right now to ask God to do something amazing in our life. We're going to pray and ask God to do what only he can. So close your eyes. And let's ask God right now in this moment. God, help me to break this mindset. God, listen, you don't need me to give you the words. Right now, just talk to him as if he was your friend. He's right there next to you. 
ask God to help you in this moment identify what you need to change in your mind. Ask God to help you to identify the opinions you've had, the mindsets that you've had about these things, about life. Ask him in this moment to help you realize that you are not the owner. You're just a steward. God, I pray for every single person right here, right now, in this moment. God, I pray for all of us in this room and out online that you will help us to see what we've gone wrong, God. What we've done. What we said. How we thought. God, help me today to walk away from this moment changed. God, I break that mentality over my life right now. And I say in the mighty name of Jesus before I leave here today, I am not the same person. I'm changed from the inside out. I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I commit to being your steward, God, because I know you're the owner of all things. And I trust you more than anything else. I don't trust the bankers. I don't trust the experts. I don't trust any man or woman. I trust God, the creator and the source of all things. My life belongs to you, God. My trust is placed in you, God. My faith is placed in you, God. Everything I am, everything I have, everything I know, it's all yours. It's all yours. It's all yours. So I choose to be a faithful and fruitful steward from here on out, God. I choose to be one that makes a difference with what you placed in my hands, God. I choose to acknowledge you and honor you in every single step and aspect of my life. Because my life belongs to you. My life belongs to you. My life belongs to you, God. Help us today, Lord, to trust you in a greater way. To recognize you more for who you are. Break these mindsets today, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.